everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by the amazing, the adaptable, and the accomplished Ariel. How's it going? As mother used to say, no use crying over spilled milk. Well, with today's product, you certainly don't need to. That's right, folks. Our founder aims to take the stress out of the baby mess with this innovative spin on the baby blanket. Oh, baby. I can't wait to dive into this after a brief sponsored break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you met at a networking event? HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help. Well, in the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets, fast. Also, you can scale support and drive revenue and retention. Visit HubSpot.com service so you can do more with your customers today. Today in the tank, we have Oh Baby. And Oh Baby is brought to us by Alexandra, and she's seeking $80,000 for 25% of her business, which is a $320,000 valuation. Now, the problem that Oh Baby is solving for is that, you know, Babies are drippy. They're <laughs> moist. Messy. They're messy. That's a better way to say that, actually. <laughs> Trippy, leaky, yeah, messy. You know, <laughs> and it can get really hard to always be cleaning and washing up after your child. But at the same time, you want them to be kind of comfy, kind of wumpy. And so you need a clean baby blanket that just does it all. Well, does Oh Baby have the product just for you? So this is a blanket that's designed to stay clean up to a year. And that means that it has to be resistant to stains, to smells. And it's also regulating your child's body temperature, you know, wicking away that sweat, but making sure that ultimately your baby is cozy and comfortable all day long and night long, I guess. Thinking about our product, our pitch, and our founder, Ariel, what are your initial thoughts of Oh Baby? Jory, I feel like this is a good theoretical product. Mm. Being able to reduce the load of laundry you have to do, how often you have to clean up after messes. Like this sounds like a very ideal solution. My only hesitancy with this is like in practicality, I think Mm. people are actually more adverse to the benefit of not having to clean a blanket for an entire year. Like would you hold on to a blanket for an entire year, Jory, and never wash it? No, no. And the fact that the example they used was like, yeah, you could spill milk on it and it will be totally fine. I don't know if you've ever smelled oh, yeah. rotten milk. And like, I get that it's supposed to be like liquid resistant, but anytime there is a dairy product spilled in the house, it goes in the washer. That's just yes. like rule of thumb because, you know, I'm sure that it is resistant. I'm not playing with milk. Yeah, I think you're like most people, Jordan, but I think that's the trouble with this brand and this product in particular is they're trying to utilize this reason to believe as a way to justify a higher cost point or price point, making this into an affordable luxury marketing item. But I think the challenge is if your audience, if it's not strong enough reason for them to believe and it's not really compelled based off of their needs, it's where you kind of fall flat. So while I think it's a really great product, maybe like 50 years from now when we're trying not to use washing machines, I just think right now it's a really tough market to sell this, what is it, $160 blanket? Yeah. It's definitely a luxury item. And one thing that I kind of want to tease out of what you just said. So a quick numbers game. Yeah. Cost to make the blanket, $74. It is retailing for $160. So we already got that like 
premium clientele. But you mentioned this term. I don't think we've actually dug into it too much on the podcast before, and that's luxury marketing. What is it? What does it mean? And like, how do businesses actually do it? So it's all about two things. So one, being able to provide value back to your audience, very similar to a lot of other industries and how they typically market their goods and services. The second piece is like that layer of inclusivity, Mm, a little mm -hmm. bit of like, I am part of this club, or if I have this item, it is a status symbol. So they're also trying to sell a little bit of like a lifestyle or a way to associate consumers and like align their lifestyle to a certain idealized image. I don't believe this blanket does that though. Mm. I think it's a very wonderful blanket. It seems like it's made with very premium ingredients. Merino wool. Yeah, merino <laughs> wool. It's the first fabric that is a plant-based dye. Mm-hmm. I think this is an example where it's, I have an item that I think meets this luxury audience's needs. Mm-hmm. And it's less of, hey, I actually think this is based off of an insight about this audience, which I think is going to be the challenge as far as scaling it and mm-hmm. having like marketability. That makes sense. So what I'm hearing is that it's trying to go premium because it's an expensive product to make and therefore they're trying to go for that luxury market. You know, as a luxury item, I was thinking about this and I was like, where does this fall flat? Why do I not like this? Or why do I feel like more complex about this? And I feel like when it comes to a luxury good, that expectation of performance kind of ends up falling on two different characteristics. So on one side, you need it to be luxury on the product level. And I think this product has that, right? So it is that high value textile. But I feel like when I think about a luxury product and branding that really works, you know, that luxury marketing, you also kind of have to have something that's experiential to it, right? So I think that you see a good example in what Bugaboo Strollers has done. So bear with me for a second. So Bugaboo is like the it stroller. This is what Kim Kardashian is using. A lot of parents are really interested in Bugaboo. It's the one that's gone viral the most times. It's the one that everybody wants. I think that has happened for a couple different reasons. So when Bugaboo was initially founded, it was trying to transform the stroller industry by having a more sleek and subtle design. So it wasn't trying to go after like crazy designs. It was also featured on Sex in the City. That I don't helps know a little bit. that was a show <laughs> Product that you were aware of, but you know, um, <laughs> and like celebrities just went ham, like absolutely buying them. Mm-hmm. But what really sets Bugaboo apart is this idea of the product being effective, but then it also like fitting into your lifestyle and making you feel good, look good, even if you're pushing a stroller. Bugaboo is constantly iterating to stay up to date with a lot of parenting trends. So to bring this back to this blanket, Bugaboo, we're talking thousands, right? So there's this premium markup there. I think where this baby blanket falls short is I think that this product does solve for that product functionality level, but it's the experiential piece. Like the major selling point here is not having to wash it. It's not essentially offering anything to that more luxury market that sets itself apart. And in that way, it's misaligned with its market somewhat to me. It's interesting. Do you think it's more of the product itself that has like the limitations? The fact that it's a single value prop? Or do you think if it was like an ecosystem of like, oh, baby, repelling, you know, chair seats Mm -hmm. for kids to eat at that can like change in different stages of their life? Is it more of a product limitation or like the actual brand and the concept? I think it's actually potentially more of branding. And I think that if they went into this story of this is the baby blanket to really build that story of, you know, 
The reason that our textiles are the top of the class is because you want the best for your child. Right. You want to make sure that when you're wrapped in an O baby, Ooh, pitch time. they feel like they're being hugged by their parents. Mm. Start to get some of that emotional marketing, right? I think that there's a way that they could have been leaning into the value out of this being a premium product besides its durability. Yeah. It's like there's a mismatch of messaging that's happening mm -hmm. that I think is actually fixable, but I think that it's focusing on the experience this provides to the parents and the children that will be using this blanket. Yeah. And connecting the dots more. We kind of like get into that too, where they ask our founder, Hey, what kind of, you know, digital marketing or just marketing in general have you done? Mm -hmm. And it seems like so much of it has been from the PR lens, which it's not necessarily the worst kind of option to lean into, especially when you're starting off as a company and wanting to ensure that this crisp narrative that you have is being told. But Jory, to your point, I think if she actually leaned into more digital marketing components, whether it is the influencer moms showing off their oh baby outfit with like the blanket in the background, like very subtle product placement marketing could actually be beneficial. Yeah. So she's sold $62,000 to date last year, 14,000, 38,000 thus far this year. It's on a recent episode. So most of that seems to be coming from this PR connection. So say a company is moderately starting from scratch in terms of digital marketing. What are some easy wins that you think Obaby could like lean into just out of the gate? And what are some long-term strategies that might not have payoff right now, but you think that she should consider investing in? You know, I think Mr. Wonderful kind of talked about this. You know, when you lean into digital marketing, you have the opportunity to really capture the mom or the dad at the moment that they are intending to make a purchase or while they're searching for blankets. So I think channels that she could lean into is like search engine marketing, mm. really leaning into search SEO. That way they have ads that are popping up when parents are looking for that point of purchase for blanket. Being able to show an ad in like Facebook Marketplace when mom is looking for a new bed for their kid or a new toy, like they see an ad for blankets specifically. So I think there's a lot of ways that she could really position this product right in front of that intent moment. But I think search could be a really interesting and powerful area for her to lean into that's relatively low entry, easy to test out and get some solid learnings from and be able to kind of like iterate on, you know, what's the best messaging that drives click-through rates for her business. How would you recommend that she starts breaking into some of these mommy blogger communities or some of these more established communities where she could start to build traction for her brand? Like how tactically do you even start to think about doing that? Yeah, probably wouldn't make the most sense and the juice wouldn't be worth the squeeze to create their own community since it's just kind of like a few products in their line. Mm -hmm. I think a really easy way to kind of get involved into the conversation is commenting on other videos or like parent influencer posts that they have. So like very simply just posing as your brand and engaging with the content instead of trying to push your product. Maybe it's having really witty mm -hmm. remarks or like every single comment she has starts with like, oh my God. But it's like AU. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's something cute. It's fun. It's playful. Then people start associating like, hey, I follow this mom influencer. I see oftentimes this brand is commenting. They have really witty things that they have to say or, you know, even the content creators engaging with them over time. And that's a really great way to kind of start investing yourself into the community without coming across as like too promotional yeah. and starting to get more people to organically like follow you and have interest and in maybe from that even build those influencer partnerships and relationships because you already have your foot in the door with that influencer and their audience. 
And I think that would also sort of organically address Robert's concern about having to essentially like educate their audience about why this blanket. I think those natural kind of like one-to-one connections or visible engagements could start to like pull people in without having to be like, here's all this educational content of why our blanket is the best. Like that will come. I think that can live on their site. But once you're starting to establish a presence, it's less of a uphill battle because people will naturally be drawn to you through your engagements. Ultimately, though, we did have a shark that was very interested in this deal. Kevin, in this case, Mr. Wonderful. (laughs) Surprising. Surprising. (laughs) It was a bit interesting at first. You know, he was offering $80,000 for 50% equity. That is the most Mr. Wonderful deal I've seen in a bit. But ultimately, there was like a bit of back and forth and Alexandra and Kevin were able to compromise and settle on a deal for $80,000 for 35% equity. So hey, she did save 15% equity. So walked away with a Shark Tank deal. Oh, baby, coming in strong. (laughs) I am surprised considering that she only made like 60K in the last year and was asking for 80K. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that she walked away with a deal. I mean, that's a steal. (laughs) (laughs) A deal and a steal. Yeah. And I think it was this pitch where they were like, well, Kevin, your portfolio, it covers all of the spectrum. I feel like Kevin is like cornering the market in terms of getting a product at every stage of life and now infants is included. So... There you go. Just the Mr. Wonderful Suite. The Wonderful Life. Oh my gosh, the Wonderful Life Bundle. If you take that, Mr. Wonderful, you have to credit Ariel. Those are the rules. You owe us royalties. Yeah, exactly. A royalty deal for 1% for every product you sell. (laughs) Production for today's episode was brought to you by Ari Desarmo. Editing comes from Robert Hartwig and support from Alfred Schultz. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you subscribe to the greatest podcasts ever. That does it for me. See you next week in the tank for another bite. Create Like the Greats, hosted by Ross Simmons, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each episode hosts an in-depth analysis of some of the greatest creations and creators of all time along with deep dive conversations on the creative process that went into building companies and brands. If you like learning about history or learning about the creative process, you'll like this podcast. Listen to Create Like the Greats wherever you get your podcasts.